This was uh, in the magazine In These Times from last week. They have a labor viewpoint column. Uh, this was written by Paul Stauffer on the 13th of February. <clears throat> the war on Gaza is a labor issue. Workers in the U.S. can't look away from Israel's assault on Gaza. Our labor is helping fuel the war machine. As the U.S. government helps arm and fund the genocide in Gaza carried out by the Israeli military, the connections between global capitalism and the war machine have become abundantly clear. Yet for most U.S. workers, the atrocities facing Palestinians can seem disconnected from everyday life. The starvation Gazans face after Israel's systematic denial of food and water shipments, for example, isn't directly felt by the agricultural worker harvesting chickpeas in Idaho. The airstrikes that have murdered at least 25,000 Palestinian children haven't, have all been uh, detonated too far away to be felt by the nurse at Penn Hospital in Philadelphia. The bulldozers that crush civilians outside Kamal Adwan Hospital don't profoundly threaten the machinist leaving her shift at Caterpillar in East Peoria, Illinois. The fact that Israel is risking the permanent destruction of Gaza's only water aquifer if the military follows through on its threat to pump seawater into Hamas's tunnel system, didn't factor into my work as a union plumber as I pumped thousands of gallons of high-pressured potable water down sewer lines to clear blockages. The shop is still open. We have bills to pay. So we go to work, same as always, just trying to get by in an economy where it has become increasingly harder to do so. So when the average working person in the United States sees the extreme violence Israel is inflicting on Palestinians half a world away, I think they can be forgiven for telling themselves it has little to do with them. But the truth is, it has everything to do with us. The agricultural worker in Idaho may not realize it, but the chickpeas he harvests may be sold to Sabra, jointly owned by PepsiCo and the Strauss Group, Israel's largest food and beverage manufacturer. Penn Hospital is partly funded by donors to the University of Pennsylvania, some of whom have threatened to pool their donations because they think the school officials haven't done enough to quiet pro-Palestinian voices on campus. The bulldozers that crushed displaced Palestinians as they hid in their tents in Gaza were Caterpillar 9RSs, manufactured in East Peoria, Illinois. While I was on the job cleaning out those sewer lines here at home, in Gaza at least 96% of the enclave's water supply was unfit for human consumption, and only 30% of the population had access to proper sanitation. The taxes I pay, along with other working people across the country, are used to fund arms and military aid to Israel. Comrades and friends, hello. We're in the shadow of Rockford Tower. We're behind enemy lines. We're in the belly of the Delaware Way Beast. This is Rob. This is your Highlands Bunker podcast. Um, sitting across from me is a is a son of the Highlands neighborhood, uh, reigning here from Wilmington, Delaware. Uh, he's our county executive, and he's a gubernatorial candidate, Matt Meyer. Matt, thank you for coming in. Thanks, Rob. Always great to be here. The smells different than last time I remember. That's you a lie. Ventured into edibles or no, I don't know what's going I, on. No, 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 no Dare way. I accuse you? I mean you can accuse me all that's fine. We, we all Wife's making you, you smoke outside or Ah, uh, that's another story. That's another story. <laughs> Sorry, didn't mean, to go, there. Out there. So didn't mean to go there. You're cutting pretty close to, <laughs> close to home here. Um thought he was talking about the tofu. It smells like tofu. The tofu I wasn't digging it. But let's not <laughs> we're not gonna get into that right now. We're we are we are we're, we're, we're pressed for time. As you heard, uh, our friend Jordan Howell is here. Happy to be here. Uh, as always, well, not as always, because he's he's been absent a couple times lately. The K. Foster Stomberg, he's been absent a few times. We've had to cover for him. Who produces this in his absence? Uh, well, uh, Bill Martin was here. W. C. Martin Esquire. After hours. After to be hours. clear. Oh, co- correct. Oh, so thank God. Sorry, I forgot. <laughs> Sorry, Bill. Just to be clear. Yes, this was uh, this was late night. This is Hanif, Bill, and I here. I think about eight p.m. We're doing a chill Get thing. active. Get active. So you know. See, I listened. This guy. I'm a I, listener. I'm I will a, say this: you are one of the first high-profile. I'm a patron. To the, I paid my money. You know what? I'm going to double check that. We're going to double check that afterwards. Nice. So before we get into um, 
some gubernatorial stuff. First of all, we have to find out you're on the clock right now. The missus is is ready. You're 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 going to be having a you're going to be having a child here. Shortly. Phone is turned up. Shortly, the phone is turned, turned up. up. And if I go running out for once, it's nothing you said. Do we have to? We have to. I'll be the first guest ever to go running out mid-interview for something that Rob didn't say. Man, I don't even want to. I don't even want to go down the catalog of all of those. But yeah, we do have um, all the the. Uh, there's a certain. It's like a DEFCON. We go to like a defense condition here in the bunker, and yeah, if if, if Matt has to run, we have. Everything set up for him to be shuffled out of here uh, because, yeah, you're gonna, it's going to happen. Can I just say one thing that I haven't really told anyone I- I- except my wife and immediate family? There's kind of some perspective. This is my, hopefully, God willing, my first child. And you get when, you, when my wife is going through pregnancy, like not to go religious or anything, but it's amazing. Like the life making process is amazing. And it definitely adds perspective to my day when you just sit around a room and people are having an argument or agreeing or talking about, you know, trying to pick the Mr. Good bar out of the chocolate container. Like we all once were just these little cells that slowly germinated and became something. And I guess in some strange way, it gives me confidence that we can solve incredible problems like that. The, the act of of a baby being produced is extraordinary and all of us went through it i mean some will but my political opponents may allege that i never went through it that i'm some alien per- but all of us went through it and it's kind of it, it's kind of incredible uh and amazing uh and so anyway talk to me in another week or two i'll be a sleepless father and i might have a different perspective you know what we have this we have it all we have it recorded now though so yeah at least at least you know you said it once yeah no, I feel that. Like uh, uh, normally, I would yell at somebody for saying that because I'd be like, "I oh, trying to get too deep, real, real early." You know, I smoked a little weed, yada yada. Uh, but, but yeah, I, I, I believe in that. The only, the only quibble I would have with the analogy, and again, having never gone through it, actually, is that that process is absolutely amazing and and wondrous and almost, it's it's possible to explain, but it's crazy the way it works. Um, but that's a natural uh, phenomenon. I think a lot of the stuff that we run into. Uh, in the real world, real world problems that you've tried to solve some um, are are not natural phenomenon. We don't need, a, you know, it doesn't need to be wondrous, um, but it does give hope. I but think. human created. All those problems were created by those same humans, the, 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 the bad and the good. So, yeah. well, let, I had a couple questions I wanted to ask sort of on, like I was telling Jordan, like just current events, like news stuff. Uh-huh. Um, before we get into the gubernatorial sure. stuff. So the first one is a couple of years ago, I had Rich Hall on, um, I think it was even during COVID, to talk about the comprehensive plan. Yep. It was dry. I didn't really understand a lot of it, but it sounded pretty good. <laughs> and I think I told you afterwards personally, like on the side, that I was like, oh, Rich Hall, I like that guy. Yeah. I said, did you hire that guy? And I know he doesn't do the exact same job anymore. You have a new person. Right. Um, but I was like really impressed with the work that was going on as, yep. as long as like three years ago. Yeah. Comprehensive plan gets shit canned. I don't really understand shit canned. You've never heard this the story. I'm familiar with the term, but I don't think that's accurate. Anyway, go ahead. Well, it was there was there was a thing that was going to be voted on, and then it was withdrawn. But but that thing is not the comprehensive plan. Well, uh, correct. I'm talking about the 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 complete the uh, the rezoning ordinance. ordinance, The rezoning ordinance that would 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 I be wrong to say that the rezoning ordinance is sort of an application of the comprehensive plan? It's an implementation of the correct. Yeah, that's right. Okay, cool. So, and we're on take two now. So that's gotcha, accurate. Yes. Take one. You're act. Shit so, can is an appropriate term. <laughs> gotcha. Technical land use term. Okay. Yeah. 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 So, <clears throat> I didn't really. I, all of the news reports I read didn't really explain to me like what the problem was. Mm-hmm. It was more like a bunch of arguing about like this. These people kind of didn't like. Well, you know, you're never going to like everything. Whatever. I didn't understand what the hell was going on. Okay. So I talked to Carl Baker. My friend, mm-hmm. the journalist at the Nomad, which you're familiar with, I'm sure, and we had a nice conversation, and he explained it to me it's in five where Carl minutes. does most of his interviews. Yeah. Uh, yes, that's probably true. <laughs> uh, so here's what I understand, and you pl- and you can elaborate on it however you would like to, that there were certain small pockets of people who didn't like potentially what might happen. You know, they were going to get a maybe they could potentially get a 
Royal Farms or not get a Royal Farms or something like that. There was a few little pockets of people who sort of got organized together to, to and they were sort of leveraged for like political reasons. It was sort of like the not in my backyard people, a few little pockets of sort of like affluent people did this. And so they were able to leverage this and kind of say, okay, we'll break those off and, and now we have to move forward in a different way. Uh, how would you, is that a good assessment in five minutes? Is that pretty good? Generally, generally, generally accurate. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what I would say is that what I'm in my, I was a sixth and seventh grade math teacher, ran for office. I'm in my eighth year as county executive. And one lesson that I've learned is that in, in 2024 politics, doing complex things is hard. Doing complex, good leaders need to do complex things and complex things is hard. And one reason why complex things is hard in government is because there are a lot of steps and opponents will focus just on one step they don't like and make a really big deal about it. And the comprehensive plan is a really complex thing we're trying to do to envision and reimagine our community. And it's not that hard for opponents uh, to find one thing they don't like, uh, magnify it into something that's not completely 100% accurate and try and destroy the whole complex thing. So th- that's sort of at a high level. More specifically, um, the, we've we had a two-year process, held over 50 community meetings, had, uh, I don't know, 115, I think, written submissions. We were doing community meetings because a lot of it was done during COVID. It enabled us. Hold on. Let me make sure it's not. There we go. Yeah, no. No, oh, we're good, yeah. man. Dodge, now no, we're I'm getting good. excited. I'm getting excited. <laughs> getting excited. Um, no, we, we, we had a more inclusive process. Every 10 years, we do a comprehensive plan, as does the city and other counties and other municipalities across the state. It, um, and we it concluded with this plan, which is the most sort of inclusive process uh, the county has ever done, Newcastle County has ever done. We won awards from the American Planning Association. As you said, Rich Hall did a masterful job guiding it, it through. This document can just sit on a shelf and we can do nothing with it. But what it mandates us to do is change the zoning code to match the vision of the plan. And so we said, let's implement this thing. And the first uh, ordinance was to set the zoning to what's in the plan. People highlighted the fact, wait a second, this zoning might mean an, an, a warehouse might go near my house. And so what I, the first thing I did is said, okay, any parcels like that, where you're saying a warehouse will go near my house, whether that's accurate or not, right? I said, let's just pull those out. Let's just keep it as as easy to pass through as possible. People are still saying they don't want multiple properties in a single ordinance. So I said, okay, let's go back to the drawing board. And that's where we are now. Okay. So you tried to sort of do like the one-off, okay, specific, we'll take yours out, we'll take this out, we'll take this out. That's right. But It didn't yeah. work. And I then mean, I said, okay. It's interesting because, again, you, you use this term, and you're, you're good at this because normally I, if somebody said complex things are hard, I would be like, what are we, the fucking TED talk? <laughs> but, but, I, but, here's what I'll, but here's what I'll tell you. I just went through for a little project I'm working on, like hours and hours of state senate and state house committee hearings. Some of them had minutes that were pretty, uh, pretty good so I didn't have to listen to the, to the stuff, but... It's all boilerplate when they do the, the the public comment because the people who support it support it, but the people who don't support it, from the groups that they come from, from their interests, always say, "Well, we we don't like the bill as written, see, because there's a, there's these two little things were there, and this somebody one time ten years ago did something with that, and so they're able to like, and and so it is very difficult yeah. to, to 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 create change that would be." Uh, really focused on systemic change and and going in a, in a different direction because that's the way people think. So I, I will give you that. I, I th- you have tried to do sort of big stuff, and sometimes we can't even do little stuff. Right. So I, I, I fair. I'm giving you a fair on that. I'm giving you a B plus on that answer for grading. Did you know we were grading this? I knew. I knew. Okay, I've been here you. before. Oh, I, could. I knew. Thank you. Thank you. B plus is as good uh, as I've ever done. That. So <laughs> the I appreciate last, it. The, the, la- the, last, uh, the last sort of uh, current events question. Tonight, I believe, some subcommittee of the Newcastle County Council is um, swearing in or confirming a uh, Newcastle County Police 
advisory or oversight board. I don't know. What we're, are we calling it advisory board or oversight board? It's the Police Accountability, accountability. Review Commission. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So it's accountability board. Um, I've, I, I know and have met recently. Police several, Accountability Board. Police Sorry Accountability No problem. Yeah. Um, and I, I've met, met some of these people and I'm actually, um, I don't want to say excited. I don't really get excited, but I do feel like, and Hanif and I talked about it, as you heard, probably heard, there is a big opportunity here. Um, obviously, you heard us talk about the fact that New, Newcastle County was able to do it and set this up before even the new post commission has written any guidelines. Um, so I, I can tell you, and I, you heard me say this, we've had people go down and talk to, for example, the Dover mayor and the Dover chief of police. They're not going to do anything until the post commission sets the guidelines. And the post commission, obviously, I think they had, they said they had a meeting in January. I think there was like a Teams meeting to cover it. I, I don't know. You know, they don't even have a website. Um, but you're out there in Newcastle County sort of stepping up and doing this. What What was the... How did that come together? I mean, what was the what was the impetus to to step out and say, you know what, we'll we'll create like an example and see how it goes? People who work with me will tell you I'm in a rush in everything we do, particularly, um, particularly when it comes to issues of accountability. Uh, I have a four year term as county executive. Uh, in a year, hopefully, I'll have a four year term as governor. Uh, and I'll be in a rush to achieve certain things. I'm not going to be in this job forever. I understand that, as I said very clearly, when um, when advocates for the Police Accountability Board came to talk to me, I told them I was, I was gathering them because I was cognizant that in less than a year, I'm not going to be county executive anymore. So we got to rush to get this thing standed up, standed up right, so that my successor and successors will be bound to do this and do it the right way. So that's the first thing. The second thing, I actually said this to the accountability of board members who we, we nominated today. I said that's directly to them. Uh, and this wasn't by design. It's just turned out this way. Because we're the first of 49 police agencies in the state to do this, we are effectively the model. Um, and so we want to make sure there are a lot of ways that I think a lot of people have talked about for the, I forget the two House bills that passed last year, Concerning police, 206 and 207? 205 and 206. Sorry, off yeah, by you're one. Right, yeah, you're Sorry. Right, right on it. Uh, 205 and 206. The, those two House bills, there are a lot of ways for an implementation for the goals of those uh, legislative actions to be totally undermined. Right? I think we recognize. And there are holes in there where they can be totally. I think it's my job as executive, both at the county and then at the state, to make sure, no, it's not just the letter of the law we fought, but let's follow the spirit of the law. Let's get actually use this as an opportunity to get real accountability. I think the best of our officers, to be frank, recognize that that actually can be a good thing, not a bad thing. Well, I see, th this is what it's going to suss out, because I don't know whether, you know— I you hear a lot from the police saying, yeah, for example, you know, some of these, I'll give you an example. There's talk about writing a bill, something similar to Philadelphia did, to uh, limit and restrict traffic stops for, uh, and that interaction uh, from getting a ticket. You know, any traffic violation, you just type it up, you see somebody, they got a, a tail light out, a headlight out, they didn't signal before the thing, they were speeding a little bit, and then they slowed down, you want to write them a ticket, you just write them a ticket. You don't have to have that contact. And it's obviously safer for the person, but it's also safer for the, the cop. They're not getting out of the car, they're not walking in traffic, they're not meeting a stranger or walking into a car, they don't know all that stuff. So it seems like, oh, they're going to be into that. They hate it. They hate everything about it. The police officers. Yeah. Of course. The police union. Yeah, and I'm like, well, wouldn't you want to, and, and don't you want to build a little bit of trust with the community? But I, I always feel like that's a one-way street. Like, we had that saying, like, take care of your side, take care of your, your side of the street. But they don't they don't really want to. And so uh, this is a little bit of a test of that. Right. You know, I, and I will say, and I highlighted it again, that the police on this board are ex officio. They cannot vote on what the board does or doesn't do or how they word anything. It seems to me that they're there to obviously support the work and be able to, you know, give expert sort of opinion or, or pull any kind of information that they would need. But I kind of like the way that it's set up. So I was sort of 
Yeah, I mean, I've been talking to these people, and they know that I know you, and I was like, hey, look, there's a specific situation happening in Newcastle County right now, and it's a good opportunity to, you know, make some change. So at least you get, you, get your, you get to say something officially, which is cool. I also, we, uh, and we doesn't mean me, it means we, uh, the, the uh, people in my office who I empowered to do so, interviewed, I think, over 50 people for like 10, 11 spots, which is really unusual when, when uh, there's an opening on the Water Resources Technical Advisory Committee. We don't get, as I think I told you, we're not getting tons of applicants. A consequence of that is we said no to a lot of people. I just want to make a personal plea for anyone listening who applied, who didn't get selected. Number one, it ain't you. A lot of it was just trying to put together a diverse group of people. It wasn't necessarily, you know, A's and B's and C's the way you're graded when you come to interview at Highland Highland Bunker. Um, but, it, you know, it's a diverse group. And the second thing is I really want people to come out and go. If you apply and didn't get on the board or if you're interested, go. The difference between a, a voting member of the board and a member of the public who shows up and has an opportunity to speak is not that great. So, I, I, as I said to the board today, we hope it's vibrant discussion about how to keep our communities safer. And, and we hope it's representative of the communities we serve. Yeah, that's awesome because um, the people that I've talked to that are on the board um, are thinking along those lines. You know, if it's community driven, if you find out what people want to talk about and what they want to address and you do it in a in a strong sort of organized way, then you're right. They're just they're just a, a mechanism for the people to come out and voice their concerns and try to bring up issues and really drive them because there's a. You know, there's a process in place now, a legal, legal process. We also got to be honest that in certain communities in the county, many communities in the county, in the city of Wilmington, in the state, there's a huge disconnect between peace officers, po- police officers, and the communities they serve, where there's a total lack of, of trust. There's a sense in many communities that they don't talk to us or they don't support us and they're not working in our interest. And this is, I hope, in some way, shape, or form, a way to at least start to to address that. Cool. Well, let's jump to some gubernatorial stuff. I will introduce it actually, since you since you you brought up something in the in the first sort of half about being like in a hurry or, or having mm-hmm. you know an agenda. You got to get stuff done. Right. Yeah. I, I don't like the phrase "get stuff done" because I feel like the people who say it never get anything done. So get but active. Get active is yeah. That's a good one. <laughs> Hanif. It's not, I didn't, yeah. That's Hanif. Not my uh, line. <laughs> um, one of the things that I always sort of dig Carney on, and Carney just being a figurehead for sort of the establishment politician in Delaware, a Delaware way politician, is he never really seems to have an agenda. You know, you listen to the state of the state and it's like budget stuff and then like line items that are like stuff that you would see in like the House Democratic newsletter or something. And I feel like there's a group of people that run this state like a like a spreadsheet. And we're not the customers. We're the numbers on it. We'll say Medicare Advantage is a good example. Um, But. There, I feel like that type of apparatus is doing the opposite. They don't really come with a, an agenda that you could you could ask somebody like, "What's the governor's agenda?" I don't know. Um, you know, I I feel like you're coming at something from an agenda, and so to start that, I think we'll pass it because I know this is something you you like. Jordan has prepared a few talking points about and questions about transit, um, trains, bikes, all that kind of stuff. And I think it fits into like zoning. I know. Ideas too. I know the highest I can get from Jordan is B plus because I didn't uh, walk in there in here holding my bike helmet. So, <laughs> he, right he there, like, I so got deduction because so I drove heard, over I, here. He, I, I, I heard uh, it say no. like, so you didn't ride your bike over I here. Know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't either because it's going to be very late and cold going back. And cold? there are no. Yo, pro- you're one of those. That's and there are no of the cold. God, I mean, Michigan I left guy. in the morning, but there are also no protected bike lanes in Wilmington. You know, and so going back late at night can sometimes be a little dicey. I got my flashing light. Yeah, you know, and everything. But jokes aside, be safe. Yeah. But uh, happy to hear you're in a hurry because, um, you know, I think you are, you know, you known as someone who, uh, when it comes to transportation, uh, you know, would hopefully have an agenda, let's say, let's say a little bit more, um, 
let's say less car oriented mm-hmm. than the current governor. You're known to ride your bike, you know, and such like and stuff like that. And it's glad to know, happy to know that you're in a hurry because sometimes it's just like some of this shit just takes forever, man. Mm-hmm. Right? Like uh, getting the you know train station built in Claymont. Would that take seventeen years? Yeah. You know, to build a train station. Um, you know, uh, and, bike lanes. And, and on that, sorry for interrupting, but I no. think we've talked about this, Jordan. I don't remember, but w- w- it might have been David Curtis. W- a question I'm asking openly, I kind of know the answer, but why can't you go from Claymont train station to the Philly airport? Um, that would be transformational to Claymont's economy. His brain's going to blow up right now. <laughs> You're right. It would be. I mean, there's just a whole bunch of underutilized, uh, you know, rail capacity. There's a cost. You know, up and down this, yeah. uh, up and down this corridor right. and a cost to it. Um, and, but like, so, you know, you're in a hurry. You want to get stuff done, right? Some of these transit, you know, projects, especially ones that aren't car oriented, take forever. You know, I-95, uh, you know, collapses and burns down in Philadelphia, and they're able to get it back up and running. What within like a few weeks? Yeah, a couple you know. days. I mean, it was it was a it long was really weekend. 10 days. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was like a, yeah. yeah, something. But it takes 17 years, you know, to build a train station. Um, you know, is this one? Way? I, I should say on that. I I'd spoke. <laughs> I've spoken to Ryan Boyer, who's one of the key union leaders in Philly, who his unions were involved in building it, and I said. How did you do it? Like he's like, give me money. We can do anything, and we yeah. can do it fast. It's just a matter of resources and commitment. And so, like, how are you going to be different from your predecessors if you were to, uh, you know, win the election and become governor of Delaware? Um, is being in a hurry, you know, one way? You know, what could we expect that's different when it comes to transit? Well, you, you're going to see a 21st century orientation to transit. I have an understanding that a hundred years ago. We started really designing everything um, land use related around the car. And I think there's a open recognition now that that was a mistake slash needs to dramatically change. Uh, and, and you're going to see uh, huge benefits to communities that do transit oriented development around trains, around public transportation, around bikes. You're going to see large, think big investments in trains statewide going up and down. Like, think about the benefit to the state if you could go from Wilmington to Newark to Smyrna to Dover to the beaches, you know, within an hour and a half. That'd be transformational. Yeah, you can bring your bike on, you can bring the family. Not for everyone, right? But for a large percentage, what would that do to traffic in the state? The idea would be that we wouldn't have to widen any highways anymore. Wouldn't have to widen Route right. One or you know th- or build any new toll roads. Like we just finished, well, we spent about four hundred million dollars uh, building the new three hundred one um, bypass around uh, uh, Middletown. Yep. Right. Like we spend you know hundreds of millions of dollars every year um, in these road projects, and so many of them are baked into the budget for so long. Right. Like. Like, how do you get away from that? You know, if if you were governor, like, do you just straight up like start canceling road projects, dialing them down, and recommitting that money to trains? Or because these things are again years in the making, and yeah, how do you do that? So some of it is just having a a uh, walkable, bikeable, transit friendly orientation. So for example, the 141 overpass over I 95 is right near uh, one of our offices, the main government center campus. Uh, for most of my two terms as county executive, that 141 overpass has been under construction. Yes. There is a major problem that all bikers know of getting across I-95 anywhere south of Wilmington. It would have been relatively inexpensive to solve that problem there, but it wasn't solved. And the, the, rede- the design and redesign and redesign, the multiple changes to that road that caused it to take six, seven, eight years to complete nobody, I guess, thought to include some way for bikes to get across 95. We're going to bring a, a transit orientation across the, the state. So that's one thing. Another is in terms of money. You're basically asking, are you going to take all the money away? Do you really have the guts yeah. to take all the money away yeah. from the roads to yeah. just build bike paths? Any, <laughs> He's anyway. trying to get that A. He's working nah, for that, that A. Get, I mean, to, to, I think that m- most things, one, another thing I've learned as county executive is most things aren't zero sum like that. There, for example, we're, we're building a, a $25 million connection between Wilmington and Newport without taking money away from anywhere because we found a pot of federal money that we went after and, and we got. So a lot of this 
is going after pots of money, sometimes public and sometimes actually private, William Penn Foundation and others to um, to make that happen. And so the third thing I'll add is you're going to see some reorientation within Delta, within our State Department of Transportation to truly reflect what I think is 2024 transportation and not car-oriented development. Can I slip one? in here? Let me, let me just slip in. Did you just say private, inv- the William Penn Group? Private William so, Penn Foundation. So yeah. we got, we're getting, so people are sending private money into public hands? People, pri- there's <clears throat> private investment. That William Penn Foundation is one of the biggest investors in the bike network in and around Philadelphia. I don't know, Jordan, if you know much about it. I don't. And they've, when you say investor, they've invested some in here in planning grants and things like that. Okay, so. planning grants. Okay, okay. I don't know. I'm like, oh, they're they... getting, this is a, this is like the reverse. This is the reverse. Uh, the reverse Carney. Normally, it <laughs> goes the other way. We sell. We, we sell it now. Uh, you know. BPG, your colonial parking owner, but that's a this is this is a that's a reversal of just that. be silence does not equal consent to everything that uh, he's that nodding he's nodding Carney I, I know it might not be popular in the listening on Carney's actually a friend uh, <laughs> I disagree with him obviously on a number of things I'm sure he disagrees with me but silence does not equal consent. oh my god sorry had I'll to tell you what all there. of this groveling is not helping your score is <laughs> <laughs> great oh that's one of the what you just said about getting those pots of money though that is one of the things that like. That really bugs me when it comes to transit-oriented development is that, again, like when, it, when we look at the, both the you know, DOT operating budget and the capital budget, again, every year, hundreds of millions of dollars going towards roads and highways. And then but like when it comes to planning, you know, uh, the Diamond State Line, right, uh, planning like what will the it— The train, the statewide the train. The statewide train. Like what will it even take to start running more passenger service down south? I mean, it didn't happen until, you know, we got— a five hundred thousand dollar federal grant on that, which is like we not could have a done lot that of years We ago. could have done that yeah. years ago, right? Like, how do we like? It, you said there's going to be a reorientation within, you know, the DOT. Like, are we? Can we get out of this mindset to where anything not car related, we have to wait for federal funds to do? Why can't we just spend our own money and do it sooner and not have to go through all that trouble? I agree. I've said openly the the um, the Delaware Bike Council. That I think out every year we compete for, I think it's like $25,000 statewide of feasibility study money, which is like nothing. nothing. Yeah. And so if we just quadruple that in, on, in a $6 billion statewide budget, it'll have like de minimis, just about no impact and could have a dramatic impact on projects. And so we're going to look at things like yeah. that. It's a funny, a funny aside on that. I read today uh, Ruth Briggs King, the retiring. Uh, Retired, retired, okay. conservative had an op-ed in the um, in, the, in the Cape Gazette, just lambasting Carney because the the budget went up by whatever percentage it goes up, and so now I, I can I, I realize it's stupid. So now I'm like th- three paragraphs in, I'm just skimming it, and I see how are we ever gonna how are we ever gonna get economic growth, and I'm like, like you said, imagine what a a diamond state line up and down the state would do for the commerce of the state. Uh, you know, it's it's more than building another lane on a highway. Yeah, because it's tra- it's transformational. Yeah. So it's that you're not even they don't even really understand how to frame the how stuff works, how to frame the question. It's just like kind of tropey. But it was just funny. I just read that today, and it was kind of it sort of went into what you were talking about about um, the benefit that we would actually uh, get out of something like this. But sorry, Jordan, go ahead. Well, that just also brings up another point that like. Um... You know, again, when it comes to roads, highways, like things like that, and we spend hundreds of millions of dollars, and uh, like people really don't question it. Um, a lot of times, uh, we don't even know how much is being spent on roads. That information isn't usually available on the uh, DOT project site. They'll have all, you know, the one I'm talking about. It'll be like the projects page. It'll have all the, um, you know, under construction, under planning projects. Almost none of those. Um, you know, have cost estimates. Usually you have to go searching in like a newspaper story where like that information was given to a reporter. And, you know, even the governor's um, uh, 2023, um, I forget, it's operating, I think it's an operating budget. Maybe it's a capital budget. It's one of those. We can put it in the show notes. But um, says that fewer than half of DOT, you know, road projects, you know, even like come in with less than 10% cost overruns. You know, more than half, go 10% over budget. Hmm. And, you know, nobody seems 
you know, to really yeah. question it or care. But, you know, the second you start trying to build trains downstate, if you become governor um, or, you know, bike lanes around Wilmington, you know, every last nickel is going to be under scrutiny, um, you know, and there are going to be op-eds, you know, um, and things like that. And an email blast coming at, going out from, you know, a better Delaware and things like that, criticizing, you know, every nickel you spend in those um you know, decisions. Um, Rob said it earlier, right? The not my backyard people, right? They're yeah. like, ah, oh, I don't want trains will, you know, ruin the character of the neighborhood, you yeah. know, or some shit like that. Like, how do we get around that? Like, how do you move fast when the entire system is designed for people like that to slow things down through um, environmental studies, community meetings, just your, um, you know, run of the mill opposition for people who are just just ideologically opposed to it. Right. They'll tell you they want a new plan, you make a new plan, and they'll still say the new plan is wrong. Yeah. Like, what do we do in when we, how do you move quickly when the system is designed to let people like that slow Well, I think down? one thing is to start with big picture. So, for example, there seems to be, I don't have polling on it or anything, but there seems to be widespread support for a Wilmington loop, mm-hmm. right? There seems to be widespread support for that. And I don't, think i imagine it's out there i don't think i heard any negative about our 20 some million dollar investment in in the wilmington the newport trail which by the way includes i think three to five million dollars of county investment which for county capital is is a significant um, amount of money um so i think when you when you create a vision i think that it would be amazing if our state is linked not only by train but by bike north to south and you create that that um vision and you say it's going to take money, and I think people understand that. But part of it is taking taking some political hits, putting your head down and saying, once this Markel Trail, for example, or Castle Trail is built, it's going to reap such dividend that people for years to come are going to recognize its value. What I think will happen is right when you start building it, all of a sudden a whole bunch of people will come out of the woodwork and say, we never wanted this, and then, you know, it'll be a complete shit show, right? <laughs> or right, probably like right before you're ready to start building it. There'll be like one more step left, right? And then like someone will come along and try and derail it. Right. Yeah. Derail. That's a good one. I see what you did derail. there. That guy writes hey. uh, for a living. That guy <laughs> writes for a living. See what he did there? What you just said about the Wilmington Loop, though, I think also brings up another point because I live, I live in Wilmington and I bike... Uh, to the train, train station frequently because I work uh, in Philadelphia. I, um, you know, take my bike. I live on the west side, and then so I ride my bike over to Jackson, and then ride down Jackson to MLK, and then MLK basically to you know Maryland Avenue because that's the first spot where I can kind of turn off and then get off the main road, and Into then the I can riverfront, yeah. and then take like Water Street along the riverfront. Mm-hmm. You know, then the rest of the way to the train station, and we have the eleventh busiest Amtrak station in the country, you know, little Wilmington, Delaware does. And there is, you know, not only is there like no network here that really connects to that station, like, you know, besides the nonprofit, like Wilmington bike plan or the bike plan that was put together, um, you know, by bike Delaware, there's like really doesn't seem to be any serious project in the work state level to bring bike lanes to Wilmington, even though I'm sure you know this, a lot of roads in Wilmington are state maintained, mm-hmm. um, which means, you know, ultimately the state gets to decide, you know, what to do with these roads. And the state almost always says, nope, we need this to be three lanes. We need this to be four lanes. We need traffic to move. We need it to move, you yeah. know, quickly. Um, and the Wilmington loop, I like your idea for Wilmington loop, but what I would like to see in Wilmington is like, you know, being able to ride my bike to the train right. station, which isn't, I mean, and some sort of people in Charlie Square and Charlie Square, yeah. or even Charlie Square to downtown. Is, or to the pharmacy, yeah. right? Yeah. To, you know, get uh, uh, to pick something I up. I will for my tell kids. you that even Charlie Square to downtown is tricky walking <laughs> when you get to 95. Yeah, go Because on if you're on that side of uh, Pennsylvania Avenue and you go in front of the Children's Museum, uh, you take your life in your hands because people are flying down Jackson Street. They're, t- they're coming off yep. of, Mer- of of Pennsylvania Avenue and making rights onto Jackson Street. It's crazy. I'm, but, ho- but, uh, I'm I, hoping that one thing that will be a game changer in terms of transport and bikeable, walkable Wilmington is the cap. The mm-hmm. cap will, will, I'm hoping, create something like a central park, right? Obviously not that big, but something sort of a central artery for walkable, bikeable people are going to, from the west side, from the east side, people are going to want to bike there. It does and we'll help have to solve create... the 95 problem. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you think that, but man, the like the first set of plans they had for that cap, 
they have the bike lane not protected by parking on the opposite side of the street, but going right down the left lane where then, you know, it crosses all the on ramps and off ramps. Mm -hmm. And it's just like not practical. (laughs) Well, it's like (laughs) we're not going to get we're not going to get into giving uh, Jordan's assassination coordinates and where he is. Exactly what Rudy takes. And, you know, we can't. You know, Matt's an important person. We can't but, give that stuff out. <laughs> but to move, like, quickly wife, about, like, can we just, if you're the governor and those are state-maintained streets, can't you just build bike lanes on them? Like, who do you have to ask permission from? Especially if they're in the business district and there are no residential, like, homes around there. Like, what are we waiting? Like, what have are we waiting Have you been county executive? we got to do some community meetings and community input. But, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I, as you can imagine, if you've seen how I travel, I, I'll be certainly more receptive to making sure bikers are protected and safe. One more question, Rob. I know you want to move you got on. you got ninety seconds. I, so it seems like talking to you, you are like you're pro transit, right? You're hearing you talk about transit oriented development. You are pro seem to be pro housing. Like we need to, um, you know, build more housing, build our way out of a housing crisis, especially around transit. And you also are, um, you know, anti climate or pro action climate action. Let's mm-hmm. say like climate change is a threat. Yeah, to, absolutely. To us. Um, like, there is no neat and tidy political coalition, right? That is all three of those things. Like, when it comes to transit. There's pro-transit, pro-building houses, and, and pro-fighting pro climate change, pro-housing, climate crisis. Pro-climate action. Because, like, some Democrats are good on transit, you know, but a lot of them suck. Um, you know, some Democrats, you know, are good on housing, you know, but a lot of them suck. They don't want apartments built, you know, yeah, anywhere outside of yeah, cities. Some some Republicans are good on housing, but sometimes for kind of psychotic reasons, um, you know, just want to evict people, evict entire neighborhoods, right. like you know, to, <laughs> you know, rebuild Wilmington. Um, you know, climate action. Like Democrats are usually pretty good on climate action, but like, how do you build a political coalition in the state house to get the money to do these types of projects when they're really is no political coalition because you will run into opposition from Democrats. Mm-hmm. You know, let's say if you, um, let's say want to do some statewide upzoning, any anywhere within, you know, five minute walk or, you know, half mile of a train station, you know, you can build more density there. No more R1, right? Um, or if you were to want to build a well, statewide have that? Network. We already have that with the CCDs, you know, the Complete Community Enterprise Districts. We've been working with the town of Newport for six years trying to get one of these things done. The, the problems with it are not political. As is true with many things, the problems with it aren't political. They're bureaucratic. Just everything. We have to get j- jump through 17 hoops, each of which people can block in certain ways to get it done. And it's taking forever. So I think a, a, a lot of this stuff will be enabled by looking. You don't need, you need the legislature for some things, but you don't need the legislature for a lot of things. They've already passed it. They've already done it. We just got to make sure that there's an executive who's hustling and who's put his, putting his head down and is in a hurry to get things like this done. Last question. Does Delaware need a fifth train station in Newport? I think we do. There's, yes, we need a train station in Newport. Damn right. I mean, but I'm like, like, yes, hey, do we need All a right. bike path there? I, I just <laughs> yeah. There's a joke in my staff that if you want something from Matt, just go in and say, we have ice cream and a bike path for you. And then I'll say yes to anything. All right. Rob's cut me off. All right. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I want to get into, uh, I mean, there'll be some specifics, but we'll close it out with some, some more abstract stuff too, because I think you were um, very good about sort of explaining how a shift in sort of mindset would change this stuff. And I want to make it a little more. Uh, put it into a little more stark relief. My view, and one of the reasons that the podcast is called this, that we talk about, you know, the tagline's the same and all of that, is there is an establishment of which Carney is part of it, but it's not just Carney, so we don't have to pick, pick on one person. Um, but it's establishment people that don't have the same outlook that you have and i'll name people you know bullock is very bad for this state claire dematius is not good for this state um saran cade makes me cry thinking about it but again this this is a group of people who for example sold out the state pensioners under health care for for what appear to be simply reasons that a CEO would give you for firing, laying people off, basically. 
or CFO. Yeah. CFO, right? Yeah. Uh, exactly. CFO. Actually, that's that's a perfect. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Um, I mean, how much money have we just poured into trying to get this port off our books? Like in the effort to get, I mean, let, let's be honest, as a CFO would think, right? We're trying to get this piece of infrastructure right. and resource off of our books. Yeah. So we're paying out the fucking ass to try to get it off of our books. It's like something you would see in a, like a, a succession B-plot. Um, so there's a mindset that all of this is just, um, what, did he, what did he say in succession? I'm just trying to like, you know juice the revenue and shave the costs like it can't all be like that right and I, I just wonder if if you see yourself as separating from because and, and let me say this as a caveat early on when Bethany Hall Long was going to run for governor she had a team of people who some of those people I knew they were they were friends of all of ours actually um, and then you know sort of scandal hit but before those scandals hit, um, there was talk about having her sit right there and give her ideas. And I'd be more than willing to, to, to have that conversation. However, the way, and it probably won't happen now because of other things that have transpired, but I feel like her outlook is the same as the people that I mentioned. Um, the people that probably Kowalka would yell about. <laughs> that, are just, that are just looking about, that are just looking at this like, yeah, they're they're giving you a CFO report and saying, yeah, you know, we shut down the uh, we shut down the old Milton plant. You know, there's uh, 17 people there, but hey, what are you gonna do? You know, we're gonna we have this de- we have this deal with uh, you know, with Medicare Advantage, Blue Cross, Blue Shield to do this. So, you know, I guess those people don't get theirs. Like that's a that's a mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, Look, all, all I'll say is this. Rob, I, I'm a Delaware kid, grew up here, through one thing led to another, led to another. Next thing you know, I'm a diplomat in Iraq, embedded with the Army in Mosul for 12 months, uh, came home, ended up teaching 6th and 7th grade on the east side of Wilmington, and really got pissed off because of some of the things, kind of things you're saying, that I felt like government wasn't serving the people the way it needed to be. I felt like I had an opportunity to go out and see the world see incredible opportunities, sort of be proud about what America could be, and then came home and saw an education system that was really underperforming, that families who weren't getting served with housing policy, healthcare policy, education policy, that they really should in the 21st century. And I got so pissed off, I, I ran for office. And so that burn inside me has fueled a lot of what we've done, whether it's the Hope Center, whether it's a program called A Thousand Kids Coding, trying to make sure that, that young kids of color have opportunity not just to use technology, but program it, develop software, uh, whether it's monitoring sewers for COVID when other elected officials are coming, ah, you know, you don't really need to do that. That's not really your job. It's like, I don't care. We got to do whatever we can to serve the people of this state. And people might call it Delaware way. They might call it not the Delaware way, whatever. I, I need to stay focused, keep my head down to urgently address real problems that people are facing. I think we're sort of at risk as as governing structures, and you see this nationally, of really losing people, where people are just like, this, these people, they just go to ribbon cuttings and stuff like that, and they're reading from scripts that have nothing to do with the problems I'm actually facing in my life every day. And so that's, yeah, there's a political, you know, noise out there, and yeah, I got to get stuff through the legislature, right? So I got to worry about some of that stuff. But by and large, genuinely, I think that there, I just keep in mind that every day there are families not that different than the sixth and seventh grade families I was teaching every day who were totally they're they they're not paying attention to any of this stuff maybe a few of them are listening to the bunker but not all of them right they don't know what's going on but government's not serving them the way they should in the 21st century and the way they could if we were thinking in bold and innovative ways if we were thinking you know a uh, jump I think it's not to promote I don't even know where jump is now but it was like an uber subsidiary where it was e-bikes that uh, Uber, it was one of these uh, e-bike share, bike share program that became an e-bike share program in cities around the country. And Uber came to us, it was pre-pandemic, like five years ago. And I, I think it was like, they had a 5 or $10 program for um, anyone on public assistance. You could get a month, uh, I'm sorry, you could pay $10 a month or $5 a month and get a membership where you could use any of their e-bikes for, for 30 minutes at a time, Right. 
And so that could marketed properly, right? A program like that with safe bike passageways could be transformational to people. It could be transformational in terms of climate action. It could be transformational economically, right? It could be uh, transformational in, in, in so many different respects in terms of health. Um, here's but we I'll don't say. do those things. Yeah, well, here's what I'll say about that. And, and again, I've, I've, I say this all the time in different contexts, but I don't like the idea of being pitched this as a, um, you know, as an investment. So, we're, you know, I, I don't like the sort of the Uber model. I don't right. like that. Uh, to be because, clear, because I don't people care get, if it's Uber. I don't. I'm just saying that well, there are I'm opportunities saying, out there. Yes, I, I, that the gov- maybe the government provides the e-bikes. Yeah, right. That's or, what they do in Colorado. Yeah, yeah they have the whole yeah. e-bike rebate That's, program there. Yeah. They literally give people yeah hundreds of dollars to get an e-bike. Yeah, yeah. And and, and again, I just think that there's. I, I'll give you one last example. Just to, and it's one dear to my heart. That's not. I don't really care. I smoked a bunch before it was legal, uh, <laughs> but. The the way that John Carney, and maybe this is a personal thing, but I, I, I it felt to me like a perfect encapsulation of sort of this Delaware way machine, the status quo. When when they were trying to finally pass this uh, very tepid marijuana legalization, and again we've we've named the weeds are, but we still haven't really done anything. Uh, the medical marijuana here has always been very difficult. It's it's a mess. The whole system here is, is a mess. Are you try- Are you here trying to get me to name you as the weeds are? Is well, that what you're doing? I wanted to- <laughs> Will you name me as the weeds? I, I, I will could, not. I I, fly- I'm going on the record now. <laughs> I will not. That I will fly through Senate confirmation. <laughs> I will be confirmed by the Senate. Fly, literally fly. fly through. Oh, sh- come on. The senators love me. Um, my issue was the way that Carney like he couldn't just come out and say I'm doing this is he had to like signal through like the chief of staff and I, I stand by the thing that I said before and then you read the thing that he said before and it didn't really make a lot of sense I'm like just fucking say it say if if you think something just say it and then we'll work around it but you, 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 you and and I feel like what you're sort of describing is something like that is setting an agenda this is what I expect this is where I'm going to go this is what I like you know it's not always going to work all the time but it's a different mindset. I so. just think you got to de- deliver for people. You got to deliver meaningful things for people, meaningful government. And what I hear from the people of Newcastle County and Kent and Sussex County is in terms of health care, they feel totally underserved. I think, you know, my wife is an emergency room physician at Christiana Care. And not, I mean, they're incredibly hardworking people there. It just like in our school system, some of these teachers, teachers I taught, extraordinary teachers, people working in housing and housing development, extraordinary people. But there's there's an absence of leadership to say to steer the ship in the right direction with urgency to deliver to Delawareans the things we truly need. B plus, <laughs> B plus. Because I was gonna say C. Just to try to get you like to get like to get under your skin a little bit, but I, I think I think it's a B plus. Have you heard when people bring up like because I I continually say and I'm I'm not voting because I mean you already you already know my feeling on the mayoral race. We talked about it privately. I won't mention what you said, but it was pretty funny. Um, I'm just making it up. <laughs> I'm scared. We did. We did. Oh, what is we did I have talk, no recollection. We, at, at the Delaware Call event, I told you I, we were Kevin we, Kelly. I told you. <laughs> and I probably said something like, that's not a bad idea. I mean, it's better than another two. Oh, I was talking about who I voted for in 2016. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm joking, not, I'm Eugene not. and Mike. I'll tell you <laughs> Maria what, Cabrera. fucking C minus right now. Your, <laughs> your stock is fucking plummeting right now. Um, no, I, 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 I'm not excited about um, the presidential campaign. I, I don't really care. We're in Delaware. I it care. Doesn't, it doesn't matter. You shouldn't, stupid. Um, uh, I care. You really don't care about the presidential election? No, I don't. I understand that people in this room, and I understand that people listening, may not be the biggest fans of Joe Biden. I happen to believe that he is maybe 5,000 times better than the alternative. It doesn't even matter for us, man. We live in Delaware. It don't matter. Who cares? Oh, in terms of the vote? Yeah, the way. We don't have it. Yeah, who cares? It doesn't matter what I do anyway. I mean... You know, it just doesn't. If too many people say that, then... Well, that's their problem. I mean, I you heard what I said before, and I, I said I wasn't going to grill you, 
on the on the subject, <laughs> and I won't. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm not enthusiastic about any of it, and I will not be voting for Joe Biden. Um, but I think, I think I'm going to vote for Matt Meyer. I said I was, I was, I was, uh, I always joke when people ask, they go, well, what do you think about the governor? I'm like, I guess I'm resigned to vote for Meyer. I don't know. <laughs> but That's a better but, answer. You tell too many people you're enthusiastic, I might lose some support. Yeah, no, I say I'm, I'm resigned, I'm resigned to do it. Um, but I really do think that the, 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 the question here that I'm so sort of like cynical or nihilistic or however what do you want to say about it in these other races, I, I do really think that there's a difference of uh, approach uh, and a better approach. So, yeah, I, I, I like what you're saying. B plus, buddy. I mean, that's an, I'm, you know I'm not going to give you an A. Come on. It's not happening. My wife said, "Don't come home unless you get at least an A minus." Okay, well she's on it, but she's you know she's expected. She's like nine months pregnant, bro. She's gonna say a lot of crazy stuff. You're probably out in the middle of the night buying she all kinds of well, everything. Actually, you're my wife out says in the middle is of the night buying weird stuff. Rational. <laughs> it actually is. Well, here's what would help. I think here's here's what would help. Um, here's a. Okay, no, you, you go ahead. You, you want to try to talk me into crazy. Voting for Like another thing, sort of a lesson of of going through a pregnancy or having a, a pregnant. Uh, spouse is man she was this past weekend she's due this friday this past weekend she was working er shifts like what kind of society are we working in where are we living in when we're expecting women in like the 38th 39th week of pregnancy to go to work was like we're an advanced society is that how like christiana care they can it's not christiana care my understanding is she could take off or she could take off. She could start her maternity uh, leave. But it comes out but of the FMLA. It comes out of the tree, then. Yeah. Then she spends less time with our infant. Right. A few months down the line, and so that's a pretty hard decision, right? To make right. you're going to spend it on yourself because you're forced. You're forced to take the two weeks and go closer to your due date to get the extra two weeks. Exactly. On the back. And yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. like, man, this. Uh, I understand. I understand how the system works. But can't we think of a better way? We're a pretty advanced society. Can't we think of a better way so that women in their 38th, 39th week don't have to get up and go to work? Like, do, aren't we a wealthy enough society where we can say that? But she does a great job as an ER doc. Knowing her, she might have go, gotten up and gone to work anyway. But I'll just she's at work in today, too. actually. In, in terms in of office. just families, like, you know, you know, husbands or partners, you know, or whatever, too. Um, that's family same. time, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, we need to, like... I didn't get to, uh, for either of my children, uh, get to take paternity leave. Mm. And it is like one of the biggest, you know, regrets and just not even regrets, but more just like things I'm just bitter about in my life because my employment situation basically didn't allow for it. And, um, you know, it makes it harder, you know, on working, anyone working makes it harder on everybody. And, uh, you know, yeah, I think other countries give you a whole year, right? Yeah. And a bunch of money. Let's do that. (laughs) You're not. You're not the customer. You're the number on the spreadsheet. I want a year. <laughs> we all want a year. <laughs> so you did get out of having to hear my uh, my rant against you, but uh, I That's will say this. I will say this. Uh, if you're listening to this on the day it comes out on Friday, the twenty third of February, tonight, this evening at six p.m. at the Sam Church at Seventh and Shipley in Wilmington. There's going to be an incredible panel discussion facilitated by Councilwoman Sinead Darby on black uh, black and Palestinian solidarity. There's going to be a lot of history that's going to be told. I've tried to do it here every week, um, but it's going to be really important to hear um, how the settler colonial project works in different places. And I think it's going to resonate with a lot of people. And if you can't make it, You can watch a live stream on the Facebook page of Black Mothers in Power, sponsored by the Delaware Call. It's going to be a great live stream. Two-camera shoot, folks. Two-camera shoot. It's true. We're producing video now. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, huge. It's going to be good. It's going to be huge. It's going to be huge. No 19th century baseball, huh? Just look. We we do do it all. That's the fall classic. We're doing it again? I think we might do it again. I'll enjoy that. I thought I was the only sober person there, but I enjoyed it. Uh, that's that's quite possible. There were some kids there. Uh, my kids were there. They were yeah, sober. They were sober. They were. You weren't. Yeah. <laughs> you and my kids were sober. <laughs> good. good to know. <laughs> Matt, thanks for coming in. Uh, we, we bullshit a lot, but Matt has been a, a supporter uh, of this work that we've been doing behind these microphones since very, very early. He recognized in us what needed to be done, and he said, these guys are doing it right now. 
Well, mostly Carl, but <laughs> I saw something and you got <laughs> no. But uh, I, I mean, jokes aside, um, you guys play a critical role in getting information out and getting a perspective out that there there aren't many other outlets to hear that Delaware focused, local focused uh, information is really important, and you're. The fact you're inspiring so many people to, you know, in the words of Hanif, get active and do something. And I know now as an elected official, I kind of thought when I was running for office, if I won and I was county executive, then it's kind of like you can do whatever you want. And you learn pretty quickly how much people dictate what you want by getting active. And so I appreciate, uh, you know, I appreciate what you do here. Don't agree with every word that, that Rob says. In fact, every, you know, 100 sentences, I actually agree with something he says. But uh, but nonetheless, seriously, it's it's appreciated what you do, um, and it's great for our community. Cool, man. Well, I, I appreciate you taking the time. Um, good luck with everything that's uh, that's imminent on the family end, and um, left is best. <laughs> <laughs>